Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome back to another installment of New Books in Poetry's month-long celebration of the chapbook, Chapbook of Palooza. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. Today we have with us the uber-talented Leslie McGrath. Leslie is a poet and literary interviewer, winner of the 2004 Pablo Neruda Prize for Poetry. She is the author of Opulent Hunger, Opulent Rage, 2009, a poetry collection and two chapbooks, Toward Anguish, 2007, and By the Windpipe, 2014. McGrath's satiric novella in verse, Out from the Pleiades, is forthcoming in late 2014. Her poems have recently appeared in The All, Agni, and The Common. She teaches creative writing and literature at Central Connecticut State University and is series editor of The Tenth Gate, a poetry imprint of The Word Works Press, Washington, D.C. Welcome, Leslie. Hi, Jen. Um, I'd love to jump right into the poetry if we could. Would you read um, The Rhythm of the Predation is a Sine Wave on page 8? Oh, yes. Okay. The Rhythm of Predation is a Sine Wave. Between predator and prey, it winds like a whip crack in slow motion. The time has come to praise the prey who fill the guts of the never satisfied, for whom winning is all and nothing. Praise the squeak and the telling tremble. Praise their begging and their shame. Praise their jugular fullness, the sweet red pulse, the ever open spigot of their submission. Let go the lamentations, let go the pity, all hail the awkward and the addle-brained, the boneheaded, the broken down, the bonkers, all hail the cracked and the cuckoo, the lame, the lunatic, and the losers. Here's to the nutjobs, the spastic, the peculiar, and the outcasts, for them the wedgie and the booby prize, the tar, the feathers, in the narrow rail, history is written on the vellum of their bellies. Thank you very much. That last line is killer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the pieces in this collection seem very much to be grappling with a, a singular issue or a singular event whose waves are still being felt. Could you speak a little bit about how By the Windpipe came into being? Yeah. Uh, I trained originally as a clinical psychologist, and um, so I got, you know, a, a fair amount of graduate training and went through about half of my PhD, and then decided for lots of reasons it wasn't for me, and then I thought, now what the hell am I going to do with my life? So I became a poet in my 40s, and and By the Windpipe is is what I've always wanted to do. It's a, um, the connection between my knowledge of um, of mental health and its treatment, and my knowledge, um, you know, of the craft of poetry. So it's it's kind of like uh, a, it's really a high point for me 
to have finally gotten these things together under one cover. Yeah, um, I usually find that when I speak to poets, that they all figure out that they are poets when they were completely sure that they were something else. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> now that I am known as a poet, I'm not so sure I am. You know, it's, it's a little nerve-wracking to say you are one. <laughs> um, I would love to, to hear another poem, if we could, on um, page 13, Bone Pile. Oh, Yeah. It's funny, a lot of these I haven't really read yet out loud, so... Oh, good. Well, try them out on us. That's what we're here for. Okay. Bone pile. The vestiges of what was are more with me than the world. When last night the wind yanked the barn door off its track and the ash tree threw down yet another limb, nothing changed. What you call change is only disarrangement. A mind strafed by early loss learns to hold on, hold on. There was a father who's come and gone. There was a father who bit like a swan. There was a father who loved. Too late, too late, too late. A bone pile, an archaeology. Thank you. The sound in, in this poem is, is pretty amazing. Um, and I notice shadows of forms in your work. Do you often write from or in forms? I love uh, to kind of mix it up. I love to um, bury rhyme and kind of um, use a little bit of form in a couplet or a tercet and then go back to something else. Um, I, To me, my poems come as auditory things, so they're often... They often have song-like components. And this one in particular uh, really came from a sense of lullaby. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, so that's interesting that they come to you um, as auditory creations. So how do you get it from the ear to the page? Uh, I, you know, it's torturous for me. I mean, <laughs> oh, I know one of those people who like, hey, I wrote a poem this morning. For me, it's more like, hey, I, you know, I pulled something out of my, my, what I call my dead baby's puzzle. <laughs> They've never gotten together. You know, hey, I've been working on this for three years. And, you know, so um, it's not easy. You make me. it sound so fun, Leslie. I mean, people are just going to run and, and become poets after this, if you're hearing this. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> Um, so the two things that I noticed um, beyond the um, like the singular issue or image that is pulled through is that it seems that um, Sylvia Plath, like even with this, like with the lullaby, you know, like like we see or hear in Daddy, and you, um, she's in some of your epigraphs, I believe. So was she also her work also an inspiration for this? It was both an inspiration and something I was pushing against. Mm -hmm. What I mean is, I found it, it was very difficult for me to write a lot of this stuff. Like, for instance, Bone Pile that I just read is, if, if someone, you know, held a gun to my head and said, okay, tell me what this poem is about, I would say it's about... Um, uh, early trauma, early childhood trauma, especially incest. Um, and But what I was trying to do was write the, about those traumatic events, like Plath did so beautifully, but to write it 
um, with a lot of the the blood taken out of it, and uh, right from a sense of play sometimes, mm-hmm. um, and you know because I want to avoid being sentimental or overwrought, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's the that's the tough nut for me. Yeah, especially with this content. I mean, how how could you not? Yeah, exactly. Believe me, I wrote for years, and I would never show anybody the <laughs> the first incest poems I ever wrote were you know tough. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, for the final poem, could you read um, Dissociation on page 20? Yeah. Okay. Dissociation. As if from a distance, not a great distance, a distance be three inches past the reach of, say, a fist, a blast of verbal ordinance, delivered time and time and time after time by one who made us, by one who is charged with our care. There is a place for waiting, afloat, a watch, aware, not here, so not harmed. There is no blue for this distance, no clock, no coordinates. Here, imagination, startled to life too soon. Imagination daily startled by sudden terror, pushes open the nailed shut window on what we are not supposed to know, and few ever know, until we are old. Death is near. Death is always near. Thank you. Um, This, I I think I I read this... uh, a couple of times just you know back to back um i think that the handling of the the content is is brilliant um especially because of the end because when one thinks of disassociation um they're thinking of the past right there's they're um detaching from their own consciousness in a way that protects them from what they are experiencing because of the trauma of the past but then to to end it with death is near, death is always near. That's almost like disassociating from uh, the fear of your own reality. Yes, which is amazing. That's <laughs> thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> it's a, it was a really hard thing to kind of. Do you know how sometimes you'll have a, a thought that really seems brilliant and then you forget it? Oh God, I have yes. that you know regularly. <laughs> like oh shoot, if I can just remember what I thought. This is one of those thoughts, and I think it was very hard for me to hold in my mind the idea that death is always extremely close to us, and what we do is push that away because, of course, you can't really go on living your life on a daily day basis knowing that and holding that, and. Um, Anyway, I finally got it, but this poem went through about five years of of uh, revision in order to get there. Five years. That's dedication. Um, so throughout the five years, did it change drastically? Is it like, is it, does it look completely different from how it started? Did it um, assume different forms? Yes. Uh, when I first wrote the poem, I was in a period of using the sejura all the time. Okay. Uh, because I had just edited Rudika Vazirani's posthumous book, and she used the sejura, you know, in all of her work. And I thought the sejura would be a good idea because it's a, you know, the blank space is a manifestation of 
dissociation to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it looked too broken up. Um, and I believe that dissociation itself is a thing. It's a, it, and it has a purpose. So it shouldn't be too broken up on the page. So I settled for something that had some cesuras and some continuation of, of each line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's, it's expertly handled. I love this poem, for sure. Um, so you know, thank you so much, Leslie, for your time and, and for sharing your new work with us. Thank you so much, Jen. It was my pleasure. So this is Jen Fitzgerald with New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry. Poetry.